0: Welcome to Radio Abnet.
1: Welcome to Abnet's Distributing Wisdom podcast. Distributing Wisdom is a forum for experts in the electronic components supply and distribution industry to discuss what it takes to adapt to and drive technological change. And at Abnet, we've seen this evolve over our 100-year history. And now we're bringing together authorities from both within Avnet and beyond to share their wisdom as it relates to perseverance, the critical role of the industry in driving innovation and how our past is driving our future. On today's inaugural episode, we'll speak with current Avnet CEO, Phil Gallagher and retired CEO, Roy Valley about the evolution of the industry and what we can expect in the near future. We're also calling on the expertise of a longtime friend, an equal expert in the transformative power of the last 100 years, retired Abnet board member, Veronica Biggins. I'm looking forward to hearing their perspectives. Roy, you were Abnet's CEO at a very pivotal time for the company and for the electronics industry overall. How long were you with the company and what is it like to see Avnet turn 100?
2: Well, of course, it's tremendously exciting and rewarding. Lots of emotions come up when I think about Avnet turning 100. It seems to me that not very many companies make it to that mark. For me, I started in 1977 in a sales role. So I had a total span of 35 years that I worked at Avnet. It's been an exciting journey, as always, uh, not a uh, straight up into the right. It's been a roller coaster ride, but uh, honestly, I loved it. Uh, I'm still proud to be a part of Avnet's uh, legacy and happy to do anything I can to help Avnet be successful going forward.
1: Thank you, Roy. Veronica, it would be great to hear your perspective from the board level. What was it like to experience such significant change while in a leadership role?
0: Think about the changes that have occurred in our lives. And if you look over the last 20 years, you know, the things that did not exist, cell phones, how about the watches that you wear every day that are mini computers, you know, all the kinds of things that we take for granted today, you turn back 20 years and they were a vision, there were a thought in someone's mind. So I think we've all, I doubt if there's a household that is in some way not touched, By what ABNET does, not just in the United States, I'm talking globally. I think that says a lot about all the the value that is added throughout the world by what ABNET does.
1: It's certainly a fascinating period. Phil, I'm curious if you have anything to add. Growing up in this industry during this time period, from your perspective, what has stayed the same?
3: What we've done, I mean, it's amazing how it's changed and evolved and talk about the company going 100 years, think about the adaptability and the perseverance and the adjustments we had to make. But what I talk about, I talk about the three pillars. You know, I, I don't think that's changed. And we have our upstream, we have our suppliers, you know, downstream, we call it our customers. You know, what's more important, your heart of your brain. Okay, and the distribution in the middle is our people, right? And that, ha- that hasn't changed. People do business with people that they like and trust over long periods of time. How we get the business done EDI, digital, the all the things we just talked about, that's changed. Globalization across ponds, that's changed dramatically. But I, I, I don't think the that foundation of critical supplier relationships, not vendors, supplier partners, critical customers are tied together in the middle with with with, with our employees. And, and I, I'd argue that the, the suppliers are as critical as our customers. Now it's really that dumb that barbell <laughs> we're constantly balancing. You know, both sides of the equation in the middle, the constant that has gotten us through is that employee base.
0: You know, that is also well said, because how many companies can say that for 100 solid years they've stayed focused on the, the key and the core parts of what makes us what we are. It's interesting now that I reflect back, I said, you know, 20 years, but, you know, 100 years, when you think about the thing, artificial intelligence, when you think about all the things now that are available to us, I think it's, it is amazing what we've done as a company.
3: And through that, we've had some supply relationships as long as 60 years. You know, it started, what, Roy, mostly in the cylindrical connectors surplus.
2: Yeah, those... Um barrels of surplus circular connectors, that preceded franchise distribution as we know it today. But along the way, that buy-sell relationship evolved into a franchise with terms and conditions and value spelled out and pricing and inventory management provisions, et cetera. And that is the industry that developed into the electronics components distribution industry.
1: Okay, last question on industry change. Tell me a bit about your approach as a leader during this tumultuous period. Let me ask you, what personally did you employ in terms of leadership strategy to guide the
2: company? So first of all, in the 90s, the economy was globalizing broadly. And then as you zoom in on our industry, our suppliers were inventing new devices and those devices had worldwide appeal. And so the vendors needed to get these devices distributed on a worldwide basis. And then we had some customers who were manufacturing more end product oriented things and same story, they had customers domestically and then were finding themselves marketing into other countries and needing to establish global manufacturing capabilities. So we had a big decision to make and we could have chosen to stay in North America or we could become more global. And we ultimately came to the conclusion that at some point in the future, we were going to be global
0: or we probably were not going to exist. From my perspective, the whole concept of the modernization of the warehouses, the robotics that was ahead of, you know, when you think about when robotics really started, it was well ahead, which made the whole process seamless. Well, so
2: when I started in this business, every office had its own warehouse. And at a fiscal period ends, month ends, quarter ends, we would all run back into the warehouse and and help fill the orders because we had to finish up the month, so to speak. But several things happened. One, online, real-time information technology platforms, and then overnight shipping became plausible. So now I can see the inventory and I can get it from point A to point B in a time and cost effective way. So we went from these local to regional to mega center warehouses and introduced automation uh, because we had the volumes to justify those investments.
3: So you talk about some of that evolution back in the early '80s. Just talk about the Americas. You know, we didn't have national franchises either. You got a franchise. You might have gotten Intel and. L.A., Chicago, Minnesota, and New York, but you didn't get an arrest. It wasn't an automatic. You got the franchise across the Americas. So that was another big evolution that changed. But right, really one of the things that happened in the in the '90s, uh, back to your point, that really accelerated this globalization as well. Of course, you had the dot com and Y2K and all those things happening. But you'll remember in came what's called EMS or outsourcing of manufacturing and contract manufacturers and. And again, there are some of our best customers today, the largest customers, but we weren't sure, if you recall, are they friend or foe? You know, are they getting into supply chain services? We started getting into some manufacturing services. Uh, are they going to buy us? Are we going to buy them? And then actually settled in that, you know, today they're 30, 35% of our business. They've been 30, 35% of our business for now many, many years in the partnership and reliance on each other. Because I think we both found our way, what they're really, really good at and what we're we are really really good at? How do we how do we leverage that? So so that accelerated the globalization and then design right as we added more and more design um, services and field application engineers. Things were being designed in the west, shipping to the east. So we had to build the uh, the bridges, if you, if you will, between regions to be sure that we were doing the design here in the U.S. or Europe. While we need to make sure we capturing the revenue when it went over to a contract manufacturer or whatnot in, uh, in Asia, you know, down to Guadalajara as well, and, of course, uh, Eastern Europe. So there are just a few of the additional dynamics that really drove the, the leadership change and, and, and some of the courage you had, uh, you uh, not to embarrass you, Roy, and the board had to make some of those decisions. There were some big leaps.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting, because I was certainly part of that shift, you know, from going from the Americas to this global company and, you know, thinking about in particular the Asian region, which was growing at leaps and bounds. And then you take all the political part of that, that also impacts the decisions that have to be made when you're doing that. The, uh, when you think about the impact on our suppliers and customers and, and, and our people, I always thought as a board we need to understand the places that we're moving into that's different from just sitting here you know on on this continent Uh, we need we really need to have that bigger vision and you know think about on a daily basis all the things that are going on and keep keep up with the changes that are going on in the world and i think that you look back and you think about that whole looking forward making that move the the risk and you know the board having to think about the cost of the risk and all of those kinds of things. You know, uh, Some really great decisions was made, were made in that time, maybe one or two that maybe didn't, but 99% of them are really, really good. You know, Veronica, to that point,
2: we also were cognizant of this notion that we don't know a lot about those geographies and the ways of working, so to speak, and local cultural differences. And so that is what led to the decision to enter each new geography via acquisition or a joint venture arrangement. And uh, with that, we got local management that brought along that local knowledge. And then over time, we were able to
0: develop the awareness uh, back at Avnet Central.
3: Many of those leaders, Roy, are still with us today.
0: I remember one or two who said to me as we traveled and went to different countries, I want to be a leader. I want to be one of the key leaders, you know, in Avnet. And here they are today. They're in those leadership roles.
2: You know, as we began acquiring, we were trying to figure out how to get the maximum value out of the investments. And we developed this mantra called Best People, Best Practices, and, and the idea basically was, hey, look, it really doesn't matter who bought who. You know, we we're we happen to be the acquirer, but what we want to develop is the best possible company, and to do that, we need to retain the best people and the best practices.
3: Something else that was a little unique is a lot of companies. Uh, I remember talking to you about this. They would have M and teams, right? They go in and. You buy the company, and then you bring in a team to go integrate it, and then that team leaves and goes and integrates another one. We're always like, wow, now we're not doing that. One, we don't have the money to do that. <laughs> but two, you want those teams to be part of the integration. So, so we actually had, because I know I was on a, a few of them, right? You had the, a, a combined project team you know, that went through this best people, best practice. So instantly, the e in this case, felt they had a say right out of the gates, Okay, and, and then that helps because what are you really buying, you're really acquiring maybe some product lines, but you're acquiring the talent.
1: Veronica, I'm curious about your thoughts about the acquisition process. How did you see the Avnet leadership team delivering on its vision while they were making changes to adapt to customer needs?
0: One of the things that is important when you're on a board is the transparency of management. The fact that they keep you fully informed, you know, the, the pluses, the minuses, the things that you should make sure you're considering. There was always full, deep discussion. You know, when you think about the budget, you think about strategy, you think about how is this going? We're, we're thinking about, you know, 10 things here. Now, which ones are the most important? Let's really kind of line this up so that we're, we're all focused. Uh, one of the things that that I think the board did really well. The board understood its lane. You know, the, you know, the CEO is the person who ultimately takes that responsibility, but with an obvious input from us and seeking that input and listening to that input, I think that's, that was a really important thing that the board did extraordinarily well.
1: Globalization wasn't the only driving factor behind industry change at the time. Value-add services was a big development as well. Roy, how did you see this changing distribution?
2: If you go back to the beginning, distributors bought parts, put them in inventory, and then sold parts, typically buying in larger quantities and selling them in smaller quantities to a broad base of customers. And then some of those parts, we figured out that if we bought the pieces and assembled them, we could be much more efficient in our inventory. Instead of carrying all the different potential combinations in stock finished, we could build them to order. There's a couple of themes that that transcend as value added went from physical to technical to supply chain And, and value added services today spans all three of those.
1: Phil, I'd love your thoughts on that too. How has that philosophy continued to play out over the years? And what's next on the horizon for the industry as technology gets more and more complex and sophisticated?
3: So I think that the design services piece is going to continue to be a key play for us. And then on the horizon, I mean, you you can't get off a podcast without mentioning something around, you know, IoT and the chips on the edge. And indirectly, Veronica mentioned this earlier, just we is here. I mean, it's on your wrist, it's on, it's on your thermostat, it's on your, your alarm system. I mean, it's already here. It's just early days of, of the applications in the industrial space and medical for IOT. And we're well-equipped today with not just teams, but with software development and platforms to take it from the edge, if you will, uh, to the cloud in a secure fashion. Again, that's early days, but we see that in the next three to five years, it's going to be a, a big play a higher value, to Roy's point, and should give us greater benefit and, and margins as well.
1: Roy, looking back over your tenure in the distribution industry, what are some examples that come to mind when you think about the value of distribution and how that's developed over the years?
2: If I had to give you one answer, this industry has evolved from small privately held individual stores to multi-billion dollar public corporations with multi-billion dollar market capitalizations. So I think that that alone is evidence that points to how distribution has grown in value over the years.
1: Phil, I'd like your thoughts as we close out today's episode. As Avnet enters its second century in business and our industry faces yet another period of momentous change, what are you staying focused on?
3: So a couple of comments. First, let me just um, thank all those for for listening and, and let me thank Avnet's uh, board. I didn't think in 1982 I'd be in this position and, and it, on top of it, it's our 100th anniversary. So I'm you know, really honored and humbled and uh, as far as key themes, adaptability is going to be key. We we don't know what's around the corner. Look at uh, 2020, and we've said this for years. Roy, my great phrase used to say this: supply chains matter, and supply chains matter even more when you can't get the parts or the things you need when you go to the store or electronics, whatever it might be. All of a sudden, like, wait, a minute, I, I'm just I take it for granted. So I think for those out there, the opportunity for us, I think, is great. And then the last thing I want to mention is just digitization just got accelerated, you know, probably by five or so years. And, you know, how we do things is going to change, as I said a little bit earlier, but the digitization has, is going to, you know, continue to evolve at an ever uh, fast pace. And we're right with it. Okay. With companies like Farnell and what we're doing around digital and the digital engineering. So we're excited for that. And again, it's just going to be one of those adjustments that we need to make. Uh, we're committed. I know they have got a lot of people listening to uh, ESG on diversity and inclusion. Uh, our board is, is all over that. And then the last thing is just people still matter. And without our employees, you know, we don't have a business. Okay? and they, they are the glue uh, to not only what we do, um, but how we do it. And looking forward to k- kicking off the 100-year uh, anniversary and handing it off someday to somebody to take us the next 100 years.
1: Thank you all so much. What an honor to spend time with some of Avnet's most recognized leaders. I know our listeners are going to learn a lot about our history, and I really appreciate you spending time with us today.
2: Thank you all for listening. I hope that Veronica, Phil, and I were able to uh, add some value and make it worth your time.
0: Thank you. Thank you, each and every one of you. This has been a pleasure to spend this time, and I hope that you come away with the same appreciation for AvNet that I've had through many, many, many years.
3: Let me again thank uh, Veronica and Roy for, for their support and putting this together, and thank all, of, uh, all the listeners out there, which I'm sure are part of our, our employee base, part of our customer base, and part of our supplier base, because without you we would not be doing this podcast. So thank you for enabling it. Have a great day.
1: Thank you to Phil, Roy, and Veronica for joining today's inaugural podcast. This episode of Distributing Wisdom is the first in a three-part series exploring the value of distribution. On our next episode, we'll be joined by guests who will share their perspective from the supplier community To learn more about distributing wisdom, please visit abnet.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Until next time.